the summer of 2022, two podcasters reaching what they believed was the end of their journey through the Amityville film series, Journey to Texas, who will survive, and what will be happening in Amityville when they return. Welcome back to the Amityville Horror Podcast. I'm Tom. I'm Pat. And once again, we're watching another Texas Chainsaw Massacre. This Texas. Time, this time, The Beginning. The Beginning. This is the prequel to the remake of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm-hmm. I have seen on some timelines where they're trying to argue it's a prequel to the original as well, but it I don't believe it lines up with that I at all. I assume not. I mean, it's... I've, I've never actually seen this. I, 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 I had only watched the uh, the remake once. I've seen this not at all. Pleasantly surprised to see that it was released in theaters. I, I had assumed that it was uh, direct-to-video. No, no. Came to theaters, and um, it was still, I think, under Platinum Dunes, but I'm not sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely Platinum Dunes. And uh, Arlie Ermey, I believe, is in this, if I remember mm-hmm. right, and uh, which makes it very much the remake prequel, not... He's, his character wasn't in the original. No, he was not. Like, even under, like, the most generous of interpretations of, uh... Was it Jim Sidow's character in mm-hmm. uh, the for the original and the, the original sequel? It's just like, yeah, he could be playing different things, wearing different hats. This is not that guy. No. No. He, he was a lot more money-oriented and practical and... It's been real fun. Like, mm-hmm. uh, that was uh, Harley Ermey's character last week is just absolutely no fun. At no, all. just malicious. Yeah, and but like, not even in like the fun, tortury sort of way, like playing with his food sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Which, oh, that reminded me. You know what? I think we've completely forgot to mention or acknowledge in the remake discussion. Yeah. No cannibalism. I thought we might. I thought we did mention. Did it. we? We okay. might have mentioned. Oh. We might have talked about it all fair though. But yeah, no cannibalism no for the cannibalism. first time in any of these. I mean, even in the weirdest, like the the number three and uh, the number four. Although I guess number four, they didn't go into the cannibalism per se, but also Leatherface was the you know guest star in, right. in a otherwise not Texas Chainsaw Massacre yeah. movie. But yeah, but, actually, yeah, the the um the. The fourth one, they didn't. I think that was when we were talking about no cannibalism. Yeah. Because it was just a murder and they didn't talk about any. Mm -hmm. But, yeah. I don't know why it feels like they didn't cover cannibalism even less in the remake than in the next generation. Yeah. But it's weird. Yeah. I mean, it is a taboo subject. It is something that's, you know, horror-y of, you know, of the horror. Yeah. Um, These are horror movies. What are we doing? They are. And uh, this one being, again, Platinum Dunes. And just looking timetable-wise, which we're, you know, trying to do, 2006 featured Platinum Dunes remake of The Hills Have Eyes, which did feature cannibalism. So Mm. it's not even a studio note, I would say, on that. Yeah. Well, I mean, God, if you take away the cannibalism from the Hills Have Eyes, what do you have? I guess it's just deliverance. You just have yeah, deliverance. I mean, it's still, you know... We don't know that the deliverance people didn't eat the people afterwards. They did not. Uh, <laughs> at least not in the book. Fair enough. Okay. In the books, yeah. it was just basically they were picking on the city folk. I mean... I can't blame them. Yeah. As long as it's, you know, short of rape. <laughs> right. You know, Which, in the book and movie, they do. Yeah. But it's honestly not that much a 
part of a... It's like a two-page sequence in the book, mm. but it definitely changes the trajectory of every oh, character. So, yeah. Um, But yeah, most of the book is not just the rednecks, but the environment itself. Mm. Pretty much just pushing city people out. Like, yeah, you keep ruining the woods. Mm-hmm. And we're, we don't want you here. You're about to basically ruin this entire valley for homes. Yeah. And the woods are fighting back. Dude, do you want to watch Deliverance instead? I'm not against it. It's... <laughs> It's a, it's a great movie, except for the day for night stuff. You know, the the testament to how charming my father is, mm-hmm. he took my mom to see Deliverance on a date, and yet I still exist. Nice. Right? But again, I mean, it is a very well done, very powerful movie. Oh, it's so good. John Borman at the height? Mm-hmm. Oh. And script by the novelist James Dickey. Oh, even better. Um, yeah. Well, actually, not even better, but it actually worked. It's kind of funny, like, we were, like, uh, before we started recording, I was watching The Exorcist three and it's mm-hmm. like you know the book writer is not always the best person to write the adaptation for the movie. not traditionally not uh, there's been a lot of mixed cases sometimes, sometimes it works, it works. like Richard Matheson great at adapting his own stuff yeah uh, Scott Smith has done well with it uh, he did uh, Simple Plan and the oh ruins. god the ruins yeah I, it was funny like I like back in high school I lo- I just worshipped Sam Raimi and mm-hmm. so it's like I heard oh he's making this uh Book Simple Plan, and at the grocery store I worked at, they had the paperback version of it. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, let me read this. That'll be like all pumped for the movie. Read it. It's the most depressing book ever written. Mm-hmm. And so I was just like, well, I, I to this day, I've never watched the movie. Oh, it's, it's fantastic. so depressing. I'm sure it is. I'm it's sure it is. Obviously, a Sam Raimi fan. Yeah. I will say it's probably his best movie. Maybe really? may not be my favorite sure, of sure. his. Yeah, but but I think it's technical. probably his best. Yeah, um, I think it's mm. beautifully shot, um, superbly acted, and an interesting thing about the script on that one. Again, Scott Smith adapted his own book and a lot of the same things happen but it's almost like well I wrote it that way once let me see Uh, if I move this around and that happens here and that that, that. the second the second improved draft not even it's an improved draft it's literally just can I have the same events happen in a different sequence and therefore for different reasons but it still plays out overall similarly see that's the good kind of remake yeah yeah you know we're, we're, we want to keep getting to, we want to get to the same place but can we do it in a different way right and like, it, it like the evil dead remake exactly yeah and this yeah the the book to the movie on that one was just it's a really fascinating comparison yeah. to see like Still, the, again, things the same things all happen, but for completely different reasons. Yeah, that's fair. Um, the movie is not as bleak as the book. Fair enough. It's, okay. I mean, it's maybe shorter, I'll watch it so, at some yeah. point. I did see that. Uh, like, it was funny. Like one time, there was nothing in the theater when I was going on a date, and so uh, we saw the ruins. And the girl that came with me was not thrilled with it ah. by the end. I thought it, it was impressive. It was very much. Uh, like with the after the date in the movie, I looked it up and I'm like, oh, it's the guy that wrote the simple plan. This makes complete thematic sense mm-hmm. uh, yeah. for this guy's stuff, but it's also very good. Yeah, the ruins is, but all, it's one of those. You only ever need to watch it once. Yeah, yeah. 
But everybody's reading it. Oh, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so that's what. So we're talking about prequels um, and movies. Yeah, we'll get six. All right. So to just spin through some of the 2006 stuff, hey, there's hey, no real identity. Hey, hey, don't don't worry about wasting their time. Hey, we see you out there. We see you listening. You're already here. You're already on board. Your time is our time. We will digress mm-hmm. and take our time on everything. We are talking about 2006 and 2005, motherfucker. We are keeping you from those spreadsheets that are just sitting there, not populating the fields themselves. Just the worst. Yeah. But, Where were we? All right. So some some big launches in horror. We had uh, the first of the Hatchet movies came out in 2006, I, what, I, okay. which is very throwback. Not an actual remake, but no. super throwback to like mid to late 80s slasher. I like these movies overall, but I couldn't... I, I can't promise that I've ever watched any of them start to finish. Like, they all just sort of blend together. They seem to be real, like, the ones I've seen have the exact right attitude. And, you know, mm-hmm. Kane Hodder and Daniel Harris, I anyway, yeah. that gives them yeah. stuff to do. Always and uh, you get Tony Todd in there. Um, like, everybody kind of yeah, pop, like, It's like a clearinghouse of 80s and 90s horror stars. Yeah, it's just kind of a it's kind of a jam session. It's a horror movie made for fans of late 80s horror. Yeah. It's not high, high budget, no. so that there is a huge risk from the studio, but, but it's, it's not but it's a not super Trump. micro budget. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. They're just It's a they're good looking movies. They're good looking movies. They're gory as hell. Yeah. They're they're fun first. Like we were talking about mid-80s, you know. Yeah. The launch of this the hatchet movies are prime examples of what came from like Jason Lives. Mm, definitely. And definitely. Texas too. Yeah. yeah. Um, we had James Gunn breaking out with his first major studio <sighs> film. Um, that would be Slither. Slither is still one of the best things ever. Yeah. It's just a fun monster movie. It's so good. Uh, great cast. Everybody. Like gooey, the, gooey. Great script, great cast, and just, you know, like really put James Gunn on the map. Like, mm-hmm. like there's no Guardians of the Galaxy without this movie. No, like it, the, he definitely didn't get it based on Super, which is a great movie. It's a great movie, but, but no. <laughs> didn't get the same kind of attention. I don't think it... I think it got the exact right amount of attention, you know, all it, things considered. It was known throughout, like... Horror circles and comic book circles. Yeah. Like, it was one of the few indie movies that ever got a Hall H panel at San Diego Comic Con. Fair. Since the studios basically took over that convention, or at least the Hall H part of it. Hall H seats a couple thousand people. It's usually a major. It's there to advertise the next year's big big movie. a Comic Con. Comic Con's not about comic books anymore. I mean, yeah, we there's understood that. there's sections still. There are sections tied off. Sure, sure. But yeah, Hall H is where you get away from the the, no, the normal people. Right. <laughs> like yeah, Hall H is where you have your A list Hollywood celebrities come out and do your Avengers panels or, you know, like here's the new DC slate. Here's you know Men in Black. Like here's. Yeah. Your giant hundred million dollar tentpole movies, and then one year just out of nowhere, here's this little five million dollar movie, super. That's great. It, yeah. Oh, it's a it's great, but that was definitely an oddity for you oh, know yeah. for its coverage. Um, definitely falls under the uh, Kevin Bacon supervillain triple feature though. Yeah, with uh, X uh, X Men First Class. X Men First Class. And. You'll get it. Thematically, 
Yeah. All man? It's com- well, I guess it's... He's a supervillain in that. Supervillain. Okay, not com- based on... Yeah, judge. yeah. Uh, okay. yeah that's neither a... is super, though. Yes, yeah, so Well, mind. super... Yeah. yeah, but he he is the arch enemy of a costumed adventure, so... You know. Gotcha. Okay. So that, yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, no, there's there's a lot of leaps going on in that triple feature, but it yeah. works out. But also, uh, Saw 2, <laughs> which, thank God, Saw was continuing. Yeah. Uh, um, the Return of the Living Dead, the last two Return of the Living Deads came out that year. Uh, four and five. Yeah, which I kind of enjoy. Or, or, like, four is fine, but five is great because they turned the gas into an ecstasy pill mm, in a oh college. Right. And it's pretty yeah. funny. Yeah, those movies are all over the place, but generally fun. Yeah. Yeah. One and two, definitely. I mean, three is interesting. Yeah. Um, it's not a good movie overall, but it's worth it to see this. The, the zombie girl is yeah. Melinda Clark. Yeah, I mean the the poster slash video box told you why you were seeing it, and I it mean, gave you that. Honestly, it's not just for the pure reasons. She just has this really good monster look. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like the design oh, okay. overall. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, like and also because we're scumbags. But yeah, not a lot of movies coming out. Um, oh we had a Mang- lot of the Mangler Reborn was two thousand five. Oh, wow. oh man, Land of the Dead, the last like for real uh, official George Romero zombie movie. I still count Diary of the Dead because I, he had I things to it. say with it. I adore it. Yeah, um, but like, it, but it is rebooting everything. It is. Yeah, it was. I mean, twenty years. Since, oh, yeah. de- since day yeah but Land of the Dead is so good it's, so it's great yeah it it's is, just it's, like people people never end up watching it is my mm-hmm. well, my theory like because you either watch it and think you know at minimum this is fascinating yeah at maximum this is another great zombie movie like George Romero comes at it from a completely different angle and still shows that he's great at it. Yeah. It's by Land of the Dead you have now four entries in a series that are individual completely self-contained. Sometimes, you know, the rules shift here and yeah. there. But you have Dennis four Hopper does say zombies in Land of the Dead. True. But it's you have four masterpieces yeah. of a genre. Pretty much the four best examples of the genre. <sighs> In one series from one director without a skip. Diary of the Dead, again. It's, it's great. It's a great movie, but like to call it like a seven or an eight when the rest of them yeah, are nine yeah. and ten. It's, 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 not, yeah, it's not fun. It's, or, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a hard legacy to live up to. It is. Yeah, but it's still better than most zombie movies. Uh, but yeah, there's... Uh, we're still in the land of remakes. I mean, we're always going to be in that, but they were pushing hard in 2006 with When a Stranger Calls, The Hills Have Eyes, The Omen, which was literally shot off of the original script. They didn't change a word. They used the original screenplay from the 70s Omen, mm-hmm. and that's just a testament to how good a director Richard Donner is mm-hmm. because the original is terrifying and that remake was not hey testament to how good Richard Donner is not for nothing there hasn't been a movie a Superman movie that's come even close to how good the original Superman movie is since well Superman 2 part of it yeah. <laughs> like even the Richard Donner cut of Superman 2 is like I really wish we could have somehow gotten the one super movie put back together like the, the yeah. one ex- like double length movie that he was intending yeah because it's still kind of it works but it's weird yeah 
But uh, you also have the remake of The Wicker Man, um, oh. featuring Nicolas Cage and bees. Not the bees! Um, Saw 3 in 2006. Dude, I loved that Saw became the new Friday the 13th. Yeah, one a year. Whatever you say. That was the slogan. If it's Halloween, it's Saw. It's just so much fun. Uh, yeah, it's because um, yeah, Friday the Thirteenth was annual. Um, you had Saw was annual, and then Paranormal Activity was annual. Yeah, for a stretch. Um, I think the only thing close to that is The Purge is coming out pretty regular at this point. The Purge were, if not every year, every other year, but they've slowed down. Uh, one because they did two seasons of a TV show. Um, uh, Right. Yeah, which was honestly pretty good. The second season I thought was much more interesting. It's literally the year between the purges. Yeah. And what happens to people in the aftermath and knowing that, oh, my neighbors all tried to kill me and now the purge is over and I have to still live next door to them. That would be awkward. Yeah. It's they do a lot of really interesting things in the TV show just because mm-hmm. they have more space to breathe. And they're doing, I think, another purge movie coming soon but it's like yeah. two three years between them now I've honest to god I've only ever seen like 20 minutes of the first one oh first which, one? Is, which is not to be confused with the first purge right <laughs> the, um, I mean the purge the first one is the weakest the first That's one ironic. is re- yeah, but, but it's like it was such a big idea to it and they didn't have the money for the world of it <laughs> so you get this small story within it and as the movies did well and they got more money to expand the world, um, they actually become very John Carpenter. Like, especially the third one, I would say, just feels like yeah. like he was possessed by John Carpenter to make it. I but mean, this is not a bad way to go. No, not at all. I think this series, once it gets its footing, is you know, I think we were looking at two good. different years. Uh, I was looking at 2006. You were looking at 2005. Ah, okay. Um, also, just to cover couple from six that didn't well, make Silent a giant Hill's, splash. Silent Hill came out in 2006. Yeah. yeah. That, I don't care what anybody says. That movie's amazing. I enjoy it. It's so good. Uh, uh, also, Snakes on a Plane. Yep. <laughs> Snakes on a Plane uh, from the director of Friday, Final Destination 2 and 4. Nice. But Final Destination 3 came out the same time as Snakes on a Plane, mm. so he was busy. He was, that was a good um, Some cult movies that hit were... Uh, let's see. We've got... Fido, Billy Connolly as a zombie while we're talking zombie stuff. It's like, I don't think it, it's such a great idea, but I don't think they pull it off in the end. That movie. No, but it's it's worth watching. Oh, it's definitely worth checking out, and Connolly's great in it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, no, Dylan Baker, Carrie Ann Moss. Oh, yeah. I, I, think, yeah, yeah. I think everybody was bringing their, the good stuff. It's just, mm-hmm. yeah, it's one of those, it's not the, like the worst example of like, hey, we got this great premise and we have nothing to do with it, but it's, it's close. Like, yeah. I, I think Fido succeeds more than like Teeth. Which okay. uh, yeah. has a great idea and it has like a bunch of good moments, but it doesn't add up to anything. Cause, yeah. Well, it's like any, it's like so many movies where um, the main character is a woman that becomes empowered, and then they don't know. Well, do we make her the actual bad guy of the movie, or do we not make a horror movie? We don't know. Yeah. Like American Mary, doesn't mm. like. 
great. It starts out great with like the uh, like woman on revenge kick. Yeah. And then it to becomes this extended brochure for body modification. Mm-hmm. Rather than an actual coherent story, which it, it's a bummer. I I, yeah. li- I like both. I like Teeth and American Mary, but it's just like I I like the move. Like I like the more fleshed out, complete idea of the movie for yeah. the, the movie they made. Yeah. Also, I hate women. So I mean, obviously. Hmm. Yeah. I've noticed that in your notes, but I never wanted to mention it on air. (laughs) Don't yes and that motherfucker. (laughs) I was improv trained. I don't know. Um, Son of a bitch. um, But yeah. But yeah, there's like there's prequels. Like you get like sequels of horror movies are a dime a dozen. Mm-hmm. Like, like oh, yeah. quite literally. Sequels, you just keep going. Prequels, though. Prequels, not so much because we are introduced to the the protagonist, typically, in the first movie. Mm-hmm. And to get a prequel of them doesn't involve the monster. Nah. So to follow the monster for the prequel means we're now making them the main character. We're making them and we're sympathizing them, yeah. which is a thing that horror has started to do here and there. It's not a great idea. It's not, it doesn't typically work. It, 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 um, at, at best, it's weird. At worst, it's actually several other movies that we're going to talk about in the coming weeks. Fair enough. <laughs> but yeah, like when you give too much backstory, it falls into the Patton Oswalt description of uh, Lucas and the mm, prequels. Yeah. It's like, oh, you like Got ice cream? Well, here's some rock salt. No. Here's some, no, no, no. I don't want to know where it came from. Just give me the thing I like. Yeah, I don't care where the stuff I love comes from. I mm. just love the stuff that I love. Yeah. Oh, you like Angelina Jolie? Well, here's John Voight's balls. Ugh. Again, Patton's joke, but um, but yeah, like, like horror prequels. There's okay, like the Chucky series gives us some backstory, but it's not a prequel. Yeah, no, like I, well, I mean, Nightmare on Elm Street opens up with the forging of the with the manufacturing right. of the glove, but I we mean, don't get we, we other than some uh, like dialogue, we don't see the origin of Freddy Krueger. Yeah, not until the fifth one, and uh, even then six. it's in flashbacks. Oh wait, yeah, yeah, no yeah. fifth, you get yeah, well, yeah. you see the conception of Freddy, mm-hmm. and then flashbacks to number six. Right, but not an actual. But but Pretty in cool. the in those, he is still clearly the bad guy, and not somebody to right. care about. Because there are good guys, and he is already a force attacking. He, yeah, no, he he murders children. But like like I mean, I hate I I hate prequels. I, I, like I don't like them at all. I can count on like maybe one hand the prequels that I enjoy. Like one of them is ironically a horror movie prequel, the Ginger Snaps Three. Is uh, set like at least a hundred years before the first one, which that's the kind of prequel I like. If you like, mm-hmm. you're gonna like go into the origin of like some old, like the old evil that gets uh, that that leads to the original, the, the first movie. Okay, but like, so you have like. Uh, Catherine Isabel and Emily Perkins coming back, but they're not playing the same characters. They're playing mm-hmm. people that are kind of analogous to their characters in the original mm-hmm. two movies. And sort of like Tremors not- 4 has characters uh, characters played by actors mm-hmm. in the Old West being played. And I enjoyed yeah. Tremors 4. Oh, sure. Well, I've never, I've never seen it because, again, I hate prequels. But it's like, as long as it's not, like... 
we want it to, so that the whatever the events of this the prequel are should not be leading directly to the events of the movie that we love like right. the thing prequel I'm giant example and on paper I've never seen it uh, on paper we're gonna find out what the Norwegians went through could be interesting it could be interesting instead they mostly do a remake of the first one just knowing that in continuity it's not a remake so they can make XYZ changes but and they they, they did use practical effects but they are not in the same way not to the extreme and when they use CGI it really takes you away from any practical effects that they had used great but it just it's kind of a a thing yeah I mean pun definitely intended it's just yeah. I've never seen it like I've never seen the Underworld uh, prequel, which was also the third one. I could have sworn it's, I had. Like, I think it's third. the most enjoyable of the bunch, but still, and I do like Michael Sheen. Yeah, uh, but that, but like the bits that I have seen, it's like there's no way to make a prequel that directly relate that has like the same characters and directly relates on the events of the first film without retconning certain aspects of it yeah like either how did they not know about this yeah like if they beat it this time how is that not a factor in the story we know mm-hmm. yeah there's just plenty of answered questions which is not great for your movie no ironically the uh or or funnily enough uh final destination 5 might be my favorite prequel because they don't tell you because they don't tell you spoiler for a movie that's been out for at least 10 years yeah but it's it was so great because I remember the first time I watched it I'm watching it with my mom because she liked the final destinations too and like we hadn't seen it yet and I'm watching it and somebody makes a compliments one of the characters is like yeah you're looking very Lisa Loeb and the movie came out in like 2006 2007 mm-hmm. or some, even later and I'm like Lisa Loeb like it's an oddly out of time yeah reference it's like yeah. I'm, I'm on board with the Lisa Loeb but what and then like when I saw like the, the restaurant he works at I re- recognized the restaurant as like the sign from the end of the first one right because I really like the Final Destination movies oh, great series and uh, then when we get to when we find out that our main characters are on the plane it was like this has been a prequel the whole time mm-hmm. but I kind of love that's a good little twist because yeah. it doesn't affect anything in the, it doesn't affect anything in this story it doesn't affect the first movie story but mm-hmm. it's kind of just funny yeah uh, it's like oh that's why the plane went down in the first place in the first movie yeah is because this group escaped this Yo, bridge collapse it's their fault mm-hmm. okay a prequel i do need to see is that ouija origin of evil oh yes uh flanagan yes i've heard it's good. good things from it, it's you. a good movie um and i didn't see the first one uh honestly not that's about ouija boards in the <laughs> general but it's a good fun you know Mm-hmm. I, I guess all these spinoffs of the uh, the Warren uh, the Warrens and Lorraine like these uh, the how, how how the Annabelle doll came around. The yeah, I would say that series is almost entirely prequel. Well, it would have to be. Yeah. Like, by nature, like, if we're... Like, the thing ends up in their little storeroom. So, it's like, how does it end up there? And all of these stories take place before the events of at least some of the... Mm -hmm. 
Amityville, even though they never quite jump into Amityville, which is why we haven't done all those for this podcast. Although, like we've talked about I it. I think they do. Like the most recent one, I think, is supposed to be the Defez. Like the devil made me do it. I think they're doing like not the uh, the. Um, why am I blanking on the Amityville family's name? Uh, the Lutzes. Not yeah, not the Lutzes, but I think they're doing the DeFeos in that one. Which is weird because in I think the first or the second one they do specifically name drop the Amityville hmm. case. Weird. So, but I don't know what their continuity is supposed to be like. Um, Ooh, Psycho 4, the beginning. Uh, it's kind of all right. It's a prequel. It's mostly told in flashback on the radio. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it's, honestly... It's, the, the set, like, the narrative setup of that movie is so involved. It is, and it just doesn't work for me. I like... It's McGarris that yeah. did that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I like McGarris yeah, I mean, usually. you know it's the Henry Thomas, right? Right. Mike Flanagan bought Henry Thomas from McGarris. Oh, okay. That yeah. checks. Yeah. Um, and put him to good use. Oh, totes, totes. No yeah. argument. No argument. Henry Thomas... Like, we, we talk about, like, the McConaughey's. The, the Henry Thomases, like, his renaissance, he has been doing the best work of his entire career in the last ten years with these Mike Flanagan again, uh, things. Yeah. Like, he's just great. I was really pissed off because, like, I was watching the uh, the Haunting of Hill House with my parents, and uh, they were like, Timothy Hutton's really good. No, I mean, Henry Thomas is fine. I was like, dude, he, Henry Thomas is doing the heavy lifting. Yeah. So, like... Oh, here's a pre. You know what's a pre? You know what our favorite prequel is? Amityville Two: The Possession. That's our favorite prequel. You know what? <laughs> it's kind of. It kind of. It kind of might be. It kind of might be. Yeah. Oh man! Not, I, I, it's not Psycho Four. No. I just, it's so good. Like Psycho Four was brought to us with more like prestige and clout I remember like Showtime was trying to make a big thing of was it on Showtime? it was a Showtime movie I know it was a TV movie it was a TV it was a Showtime and like I think they were trying to raise their prestige with it sure because 2 and 3 had been kind of looked down upon yeah except that 2 is phenomenal and three is fun. To it. I haven't gotten around to that one either. Psycho, uh, Psycho 2, like, again, Psycho is Psycho. Yeah. Psycho 2 is just a lot of fun, and it keeps you guessing. Fair which enough. you pretty much assume you know everything going into the movie, and the movie knows that. And so it plays with you. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it's about... Norman's out of the hospital. Is he cured? Is he not? Yeah. You have the same questions that Norman has. He doesn't know because he never thought he was crazy in the first place. Don't let those people out. He served 20 years. Hey, no, he didn't serve. He was being treated. And if he's not cured, don't let him out. And if you don't know he's cured, don't let him out. The movie covers it. Fair enough. All right. Anyway, oh, but yeah, um, prequels in general. Oh, Prometheus. Um, no, I like this. This, this I website. like Prometheus. I hated Covenant. Uh, I enjoy Prometheus. It's one of the worst movies I've ever seen. But I enjoy it. I keep watching it. Covenant is just terrible. <laughs> wow, this this yeah. one this list is listing uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom as a horror movie prequel. And it way, is a prequel. Kinda, 
it is kind of hard. I, I can see that. But we're definitely now stretching on oh, our God, definitions. Yeah. Like, yeah. we could call Transformers 5 part prequel with all the King Arthur yeah, stuff, but it's more it's just prequel. a pile you know, of it's shit. Just, you know, I, I hate like when, the, when movies are trying to act like, well, it's both prequel and a sequel. It has a flashback at the beginning of the film, guys. It's not a prequel. Relax. Yeah. Also, don't watch Transformers 5. It, it's really it, bad. It's, it's really bad. It's really, really bad. Yeah. And I'll just address for anyone shouting Better Call Saul. It's a TV show. We're talking movies. But yes, Better Call Saul is an incredible prequel. I haven't watched it. Yeah. it Guess where he ends up at the end of the show? We actually don't know. There's, there is legitimate mystery as to where everything winds up. No, They've built because it well. he and he's going to end up being a shyster lawyer, and he's going to meet Walter Walter White. No, that's Jesse not Pinkman. the end of the show. Oh, for fuck's sake! It's not like you brought it up. I did. You can you can end this right now. I can by saying it is an incredible show. It is well done. It actually works within the cracks of the narrative uh, very deftly. And is somebody who hasn't seen it. It works within the cracks. No, it works in the places where we didn't see with it in Breaking Bad. It does a good job. I will say this as the person who has watched it, (laughs) and you as the person who hasn't, I'm sure have just as much. (laughs) Damn right. Again, white man in America. If my opinion, if if I've learned one thing, it's that my opinion, as ignorant as it is, has value. Checking notes hates women. <laughs> yep. You motherfucker. You motherfucker. <laughs> All right. Let's well, watch uh, some chainsaws. Yeah. Let's, uh, this is Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the beginning, which hopefully we're watching on uh, Netflix. Otherwise, I may have to spend money. I mean, it's a movie. It answered lots of questions that somebody might have had somebody somebody who you know watched and cared about the original movie which I'm pretty sure the writer directors of this one did not no I mean I guess they did they did there's like lots of weird little gap filling or not gap filling but like you said questions answered it it answers questions in the same way as I mentioned in the middle of watching it. <laughs> oh, you're traveling alone. We'll call you Han Solo. Yes. That exactly. kind of stuff. It's like nobody nobody needed to know where that came from, less yet such a bad reason. Yep. No. No. Nobody needed to know the secret mm-hmm. origin of Han Solo's dice. Yeah. Which, although, you know, God help me, when I watched uh, the original Star Wars again, I refuse to just refer to it as a new hope. Uh, I think those dice were in the cockpit. They were. They were like, yeah. like you see them. They're so absurdly high up that it's only like this one. I only saw them in this one shot where Chewie is standing completely straight up, mm-hmm. and so they were in frame. But I was like, is that them? And if it is them, were they there originally, or did they special edition that shit? As far as I know, they have always been there. That oh, was shit. one of the little gags God. that um, some people picked up on, some didn't. Just like the stormtrooper who bumps his head. Hmm. 
Oh, and also in episode four, um, there's an, one scene in the Death Star. Uh, a bunch of stormtroopers are coming around a corner, mm-hmm. and one of them, um, not being the average height of a stormtrooper, bumps his head on the ceiling, and it's just like half a second, and it's like out of frame. But it's in there, and I remember seeing the re-releases back in the late 90s, mm-hmm. and about a quarter of the crowd cheered for the bump of the head, and the rest of the crowd had no idea what was going on. That's fair. Yeah. I thought you were building up to, like, they explained why that one was taller. No, no. They <laughs> luckily just leave some things unexplained, or not a thing that needs to be answered. Yeah. Um, I'm actually going to go over the list of some of the questions Yeah, we get. yeah I'm sorry. Gentle listener you have to understand we basically talked about everything else on the planet earth during the entire runtime of this film like i took notes i, I, I made yep. mark uh, i made marks of all sorts of different things mm-hmm. to discuss because there were long stretches where like yeah they're just doing the torture porn thing yeah they are so this was around the time saw three i guess came out but like Torture porn was kicking in. Most of this movie is just, oh, we've got a group of characters that are in a bad situation and they're going to be pulled apart bit by bit in front of us. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of screaming. Um, some, L- luckily, some decent practical effects, yeah. but also like not invested in anything. Just, yeah. oh, here's gore, here's gross. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like you don't. You're not rooting for the bad guys. You're not rooting for the good guys. You're rooting for the for the credits. Yeah. Honestly, it's like anytime you guys want to start these credits, yeah, we're good to go. Here's four random characters who are traveling through Texas at one point, which is what we ex- what we expect right. and, and demand of the series. Yeah. But there's no reason this has to be prequel except, oh, we killed off the bad guys in our remake. Enough of them. They basically wanted Arlie Ermey back. Did they kill? Oh, yeah. Arlie Ermey did get really fucking killed at the end of that. Yeah. And they just, I think they wanted him to be the personality for this one. So they made it a prequel (laughs) to explain why he's alive. Other than that, it is literally just a jeep full of kids traveling. One of them's <laughs> gonna go back to Vietnam and thinks his brother's going back with him, but the brother's burned his dra- half burned his draft card. Yeah. They argue sort of kind of about that, and then they wind up in a terrible situation, and again, keep getting separated, trying to escape. Beat down, nailed to tables, chainsaw, chainsaw, like yeah. really just no story, no point, just a whole 90 minutes or so of violence. And... We had questions That's answered it. are. Oh, wait, before you, oh, yeah. I, it, 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 I just imagined the, uh, you know, the casting agents or like the meetings about making the new one, and it's just like, well, the key thing is we got to make it a prequel to get Arlie Ermy back, and we we also have to like make sure we can get Arlie Ermy back. You know, he gets busy and stuff. Well, shouldn't be we be worried about getting Brynny Arsky back for Leatherface? It's like, it would cost us more money to get him to not show up for this movie. <laughs> we would have to pay people to keep him away from the set. Brynny Arsky's in. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. The questions answered. Um, questions like, in the prequel, or in the, uh, in the, sorry, the last one, remember, the remake, the remake. Um, why did Arlie Ermey's teeth... You know, why did he have uh, fake teeth in the front? We get that answered. Yeah. He gets hit, and he get, his head gets smacked into the ground multiple times, and he spits a tooth out. Who 
check that off the curiosity list. Yep. The old man who was missing his legs from the knees down. Oh, he gets shot in him and Leatherface winds up taking the two legs off at the request of Papa. Yeah, like he cuts off the injured leg and then Arlie Ermey, for honestly no reason other than he says balance, says, yeah, chop the other one off too. Yeah, saw it off. They gotta be even. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So we found out why the old man in the wheelchair didn't have his legs. I was very curious about that last time. Well, he all, it, but it doesn't explain why he had a colostomy bag. Oh, no, 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 no. They've got room for that in a mid-quote. Oh, good. good or good, good, the good, comic tie-ins or the... Who cares? I, I was kind of like... We, we were discussing while we were filming it or while we were watching it that... um, So, the uh, Leatherface dons his first face mask mm-hmm. in this one, presumably. And uh, it's uh, the older of the two brothers played by Matt Bomer of uh, also of like Doom Patrol, American Horror Story, and uh, it was Suits and Chuck. And... Um, uh, if you're gonna pick a face, that's a good p- face to pick. But not the way he did it. But. Not the way he did it. But I was really hoping, like, can we go back and watch the remake? And maybe it was Matt Bomer's face the entire time, and somehow they like knew they would make a prequel, and he had already signed. Now I, this is all just we were really bored watching this. If movie. they had planned that far ahead, they would have put things into the remake that would have mm-hmm. been questions to answer. That's true. So um, we also find out like how like Hoyt. Arlie Ermey's character was never actually a cop. He was just uh, the patriarch of the the Hewitt family mm-hmm. and uh, the sheriff of the town that was essentially dead at this yeah. point. Like, go ahead. Yeah, movie opens. Uh, they're shutting down uh, the meatpacking plant. Mm-hmm. The boss tells Leatherface he's got to leave. Sorry, no more job. You got to get out of here. Then starts calling him names that are ill-advised. Indeed. Um, Just rude. And so Leatherface takes a sledgehammer to him and kills him then wanders home. The cop goes out to the house Be- beats him to him. death with a hammer and then takes the chainsaw that was just in this dude's office oh yeah yeah <laughs> the, the, the chainsaw on the oh, the office desk of the meatpacking plant the office plant, plant, it's rat, it's or, like it's the room off of like one floor up from the plant from the the killing floor yeah like why is there a chainsaw here the guy doesn't the guy hasn't lifted anything heavy in like a decade yeah but we had to answer the question of where did he get his chainsaw <sighs> That was a you know, very anywhere. important question. No, no, no. It has to be a special moment in his life for him to have gotten this chainsaw. It would have been a great moment. Or they, they could have gone back to the cut right. And then that would have been like a reference to number two. Yeah. And that would have been great. Could have said, oh, they're a family that has a house and brush, so they owned a chainsaw. Yeah. Could have just done that too. Um, we we do get to see him make his first mask, and we answer the question of did he make his first mask? We don't cover the why he. I mean, we we were told that he had the skin condition in the last one, yeah. so that question was already answered. And he's wearing a half le- he like a half mask throughout the whole thing. I was about to. It looks like it is made of leather, like actual leather. Yeah, but I didn't want to call it a leather face mask because you know too on the nose. A little confusing. Yeah. But we also see the birth of Leatherface. Yeah, because we, we, we didn't know for certain that he had been brought into this world. Yep, he uh, is just unceremoniously uh, 
birthed out of this woman and on uh, the meat packing killing floor. Yeah. Because uh, born on a battlefield, Leatherface was born in the butcher mm-hmm. shop. He's born and then put in a dumpster. Yeah. He's born in the uh, packing plant, then put in the dumpster. Yeah. A woman finds him in the dumpster, takes him home to the Hewitt house. Yeah. They adopt him, raise him as their own. He eventually grows up and works at that meatpacking plant with the same deformities that were apparently what got him tossed in the first place. Mm-hmm. But nobody ever makes the connection of, you know, the big guy over there. Wasn't he the dumpster baby? Nah, it couldn't have been. I, I threw know. that baby in the dumpster. Yeah. Like, I don't know why you needed to do the double origin at the meatpacking no. place. No. And then you have, like, the whole opening credits sequence, which is uh, some horrible hybrid between the opening credits of Seven and the forging of the Freddy glove in A Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm -hmm. And that's the origin of Leatherface. And then we get, like, 90 minutes of this bizarro gap-filling stuff. Yeah, it's just, it's another rehash of all the Texas Chainsaw stuff. We get the camera With noise. The, yeah. Oh, the camera noise, Ugh. despite no camera justifying yep. it whatsoever. Nope. Uh, um, we do get a little bit of sexy times, which is nice. Very little. I mean, any port like it's like there was yeah. no oasis of sexy times in this movie, which, admittedly, Texas Chainsaw Massacre never been a, been really a sexy time franchise. Not so much. Not like you're you're not you're a Friday the Thirteenth type of thing or even Halloween Halloween you usually get at least one pair um usually usually yeah one but it's not overly yeah one not two like and five four didn't I don't remember six well three 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 you get some I think do you um at the I hotel, hotel I think with Tom, well, just Tom Atkins yeah, yeah. Uh, that man gets two that, that definitely one get. definitely you said one four one two five five and then four I don't think four I, it depends on the cut that you get fair enough because like I've seen other cuts even Joe Bob complains about the the version they have on Shutter he's like I could have sworn we saw the we saw those boobs in the in the original movie. I thought it was part five, and everybody confuses scenes from the two of them. No, because it's the one, because it's the girl, the main, uh, look, Jamie's adopted sister. Rachel. Rachel. Her boyfriend is cheating on her with the girl whose boobs you see. I thought that was in part five. No, because she gets killed, Rachel gets killed, like, in the first 20 minutes of five. Shit. You're right. Nope. Yeah. That was that would have been four then. Yeah. But anyway. Uh but either way, like it's uh, you know, just to finish up the purient thought, it was nice to see uh, a girl in her underwear. <laughs> We're looking for things that we'd like to miss. Hey, um, Matt Bomer was in this whole was in this whole movie and he was just lovely to look at. Jordana Brewster is our I mean, final girl just because she literally fits Just that by title. Taming. Yeah, yeah, by timing. Like she the is literally the, the final she, person. Um, at, towards the beginning of the movie, when they're all in the Jeep, um, they're chased down from the gas station, not by the family, 
as we're used to, but by, by a biker chick. Biker uh, chick. Lee Turgis is his girlfriend. Yep. Um, and she's coming after him, trying to rob him um, on the motorcycle, pulls she, a gun. And, and then Matt Bomer pulls a gun. And I thought that we were going to have this really great gun chase. Yeah. And then he hits a cow. Yeah. Like then, he, he pulls the gun, turns around to look in the rearview mirror, and like then look over his shoulder and shoot yeah. between his friends... Brother and the brother, daughter. brother and yeah, brother and brother's girlfriend. Yeah, and he's he's getting ready to shoot out the back window when they scream "cow," turn around because there is now a giant cow in the road that was not visible. I guess two seconds ago. They are not the fastest creatures. They're really like not. even when motivated, they are not the yeah. fastest creatures. And this isn't like a twister situation where the cow was mm. unwillingly drifted in front of the car. So you gotta watch Twister. Twister yeah. is like Citizen Kane in comparison to this. <laughs> Citizen Kane. Um, so they hit the cow. The jeep flips, tumbles, rolls. It's a pretty good crash. It's a pretty good crash, in that it looks like a jeep crashing, yeah. and that the top does crumble and crush like they do. Yeah. But everybody's fine. Yeah. Uh, well, cuts. There's cuts. Yeah, there's there, cuts there's and there's a minor impalement. Uh, the 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 younger the, brother's girlfriend has glass sticking out of her stomach, but it never seems to affect her for most of the movie. No, this is not like a uh, Mr. Orange situation where he's like bleeding to death for the right. entire movie. No, she's like it, it looks shallow, but again, they should all be in pieces. Yeah, like this is they a should, crash. Two of them should flat out be a smear on that road. Exactly. Like at least one. Like one person, Jordana Brewster, is thrown from the crash. Not even like a sprained ankle or anything. She gets up and walks away with no problem. Yeah, but she's literally like at least 50 feet from the car having flipped enough distance that when uh, Hoyt, uh, air quote sheriff, shows up, she's not even within eye line. She's not even suspected of being there. Yeah, because he's like in the ditch, like the runoff ditch on the side of the road. It doesn't matter. uh, Yeah, Um, (laughs) it's bullshit. So, yeah, he shows up. He shoots the bikers. Um, in the face. Yeah. Oh, no, in, in the, the stomach. Car. In the stomach. The, the hole was in the stomach. Okay, gotcha. I think. I don't know. It also doesn't matter. I'm sorry. But he puts her in the front seat, puts the other three in the back seat. Um, and there's, like, this sarcastic exchange, these sarcastic exchanges between Arlie Ermey, who is clearly not a cop. Yeah. And uh, like literally just shot somebody in front of them and threw her in the front seat of his car. Yeah. Like... Even if you argue the uh, he had he was empowered to shoot her because they, she had a gun on them and so it's a defense of another person, uh, it doesn't look right. Nothing like, about it is right, and uh, he doesn't look right. He doesn't sound right, and they're like they're playing co- like the kids in the back seat and him are playing coy with each other. I mean, like while they're in, they're locked in the back seat, and he's got two guns. He's killed this other person. It's like, why are you not understanding the situation that yeah. you're in? Have you not seen the Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Well, it's a prequel. It hadn't come out yet. Uh, that's a good point. But they had, uh, the one had been to, you know, Vietnam and definitely had been around violence before. His bullshit detector should be going off a bit more. Mm Mm-hmm. But, happily, 
the Hewitts are definitely cannibals in this mm, one. Yes. Which I appreciated. We well, watched their decision to resort to cannibalism. Rather but, than move. Because the, yeah, the meatpacking plant is now closed, but the Lord will provide. Um, and Hoyt goes back to explain when he was in Korea uh, that he was a POW for some time and they all had to choose who was next so he has experience with this kind of hunger and this kind of cooking um, so we get the origin of why they're cannibals is he he was a POW um, and now he's fine with just doing it at home. And more importantly, they didn't want to leave, move to, you know, a town that wasn't dead. Right. Now, also, the entire family that didn't serve in Korea with him oh, yeah. was pretty quick to jump onto the cannibalism. Oh, they're, they're, they're on board. Now, let me ask you a philosophical question. Which is the more extreme solution to a relatively easy a, a problem with multiple solutions your town has died so to preserve you know your food supply you will just now kill every person that drives through this one road in texas or you're diagnosed with lung cancer and rather than ask for the help of any one of several ultra-rich friends you decide to become the greatest crystal meth mob boss ever Hmm. Right? There was a slow turn to the mob boss thing. There was. You're right. You're right. Initially, it was just, <laughs> I want to cover cover my some wife bills. and college. This is some quick cash, and I'll be dead before it comes down on me. So that one is much more believable than, you know, back in the war, I used to get by on, uh, on people. We could do that. Or you could just move. Or you could move. To anywhere. Like, don't get me wrong. It is a big, but ugly and shitty and disgusting home. But it's Mm -hmm. a big home. And land. And land. And Leatherface was the only one working at the meat plant, by all accounts, as far as I can tell from the movie. Well, Monty did have the tow truck business. And that's the thing. That's still a business. That is still a business. The yeah, the plant shut down and everybody's leaving the town, including the cop that got killed and replaced. Oof. But yeah, doesn't occur to them at all. Like, and what other jobs did anybody else in the family have? And oh, they also have the uh, the the grocery store or the little like gas station. Yeah. Oh, the shop store. that uh, the one character says. Oh, pull over. There's a store just like the one in California. Apparently, it's like the same mark, like the same franchise, or it's a franchise. Well, it wasn't it's a insane. Wawa, and it wasn't a Rofo, so I, I don't know what I, it is. I agree. I, I, I'm on your side on this, but it was like, just like... It's not even a Flying J, for goodness sake. I don't even know. I don't understand. It wasn't a Carol's. It wasn't a High's. It was, well, High's of Baltimore wouldn't probably get as far west as Texas. No, probably not. But still, it was just like not a sheets, not a sheets, not a Tom's, a Robo Tom's, Happy Snack Shack, Circle K. It wasn't a Heritage. Wasn't a Dwayne Reed. I don't get it. But anyway, not a clue. But they did establish that they're from California, except for their Texas license plate. They bought the car in Texas. It makes perfect sense. We need a prequel to this prequel to answer all these questions. I hate everything. So, 
Honestly, it's like you want to say that what follows when uh, Arlie Army drives everybody to the house is like in a like an extended cat game of cat and a mouse. Like, how do you get away? How do you get the upper hand on everything? But honestly, nobody has any real ideas, and yeah. it goes on for forty minutes. It's just them caught and getting abused and beaten and taken apart. But yeah, there's very rarely the, oh my God, they're almost going to make it. Oh my God, could they break now? They're just kind of stuck and screwed the entire time. It's just waiting out the inevitable. Because it's a prequel, because the bad guys have to win. Right. And zero bad guys... Killed in this movie the first time in the history of the franchise, not yeah. a single villain has died. Cause well we well one, they all have to make it to the next one. Or like the Could have added a villain or two. They could have added a villain or two. Exactly. Yeah. Something. Stakes. Other than for these kids, which, you know, are not yeah. interesting. Um well, I mean, obviously most of the crew gets picked off. In chunks, and then we get to the end of the movie. Our final girl. Um, here's the giant twist. This is funny. She uh, she's getting away in a car, and then chainsaw rips through the seat. Leatherface is in the back seat the entire time. Yeah, he gets her, and then the car crashes into a uh, another car stop. A cop had stopped a car for reasons we don't know. Yeah, a cop. In what jurisdiction, we don't know, because she's driving away from this town that had one cop who literally was just killed that afternoon. Yeah, there may be three miles... At that point, they're like maybe three miles away from the house slash meatpacking plant. So it's got to be the same jurisdiction. And they made a big deal about that he was the only cop left. Yeah, the cop himself says it at the beginning before he's killed. Later on, somebody says you basically just killed the entire police department for the town. Like, they multiple times point out that there should not be another cop. But there's a cop doing a traffic stop. Anyway, the cop and the person stopped are outside their cars. And when she gets (laughs) chainsawed, car just smashes into them for another two deaths. A grand total of nine non-villains killed in this. Fair. I appreciate your scorekeeping. And her death is such a non-event. It really is. Like, it's, it, just, it's momentarily well, the kind of over, isn't it? Yeah. And it's like, and this was a movie that put like sound effects and stingers on every single moment that didn't need it. Mm-hmm. And then the, this is just like, oh, she's dead. The end. Ta-da! Then Leatherface wanders back towards the house into the darkness, and an uncredited John Laroquette does a voiceover because, of course, why not? We, it's at the end of the movie now. That's how you know the the the, the next movie is starting because it's John Laroquette talking. Yeah. Says from 1969 until the events of the first film, blah 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 blah, blah 33 dead or something, which the numbers don't add up to don't any of the other. Don't, don't worry about it. Did have a dinner scene. Did have the dinner scene. I, I appreciated that. Uh, um, had man, they ch- they they Matt Bomer got killed with a chainsaw. I mm-hmm. appreciate it. A couple of people actually got killed with chainsaws. Matt Bomer, uh, Jordana Brewster. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah Jordana Brewster. Uh, Lee Turgeson. Yes. Yeah. Okay, that's three. He was that's laying one of chainsaw the chainsaw, yeah. and Ernie holds him down while Leatherface starts it while he's under it. Yeah, it's creative. 
It was pretty good. Um, we have the movie tr- Trusting Your um, Intelligence gave us an extended sequence after the yeah. after the teens are hauled off by Ermy. Jordan Brewster gets back into the Jeep and is looking around for the gun that was... Matt Bomer almost yeah, used. That all, yeah, almost got used. That didn't get thrown like her 50 feet off into a field. And mind you... It's that, still in the car in just a pile of stuff. Yeah, and there's a whole trail of everything that was in the car, like, uh, showing how far the car was rolling. Yeah. Like, everything... It, like... They weren't even wearing seatbelts. I don't know how, one, they're not dead, and two, they're still in this fucking car. Yeah. I don't get it. But anyway. Um, and the, the debris spread out on the road is kind of... Catastrophic. Yeah, but also, like, I don't know that that was all car parts. Uh, yeah. It basically looked like a lot of the random, air quote, garbage in the... Uh, compactor scene in A New Hope. Um, But like, it just like, here's a big spring. Here's a, I don't know. It just, it looks like... That could have been the suspension. uh, Except the suspension seemed to work fine when the car got towed away. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Um, But yeah, so anyway. Maybe Bailey packed a big spring in her suitcase. You know what? That's a that's as good as anything else. <laughs> but yeah, so she's um, looking for the gun. Yeah, she's looking for the gun through the car and says, "Where's the gun?" In case anybody in the audience wasn't sure, and it's it's like so ADR. Like her her face is turned away, and they just add in, "Where's the gun?" Yeah, it's like for real. And their benefit of the doubt had already been removed from earlier in the film uh, when the couples are separated. <laughs> the um, the brother who didn't want to go to Vietnam, Dean, Dean, um, in the hotel room with his girlfriend, and having the conversation of, you know, your brother is going to be very upset when he finds out you don't want to go to Vietnam like he is, mm-hmm. like serious. Nobody, nobody, nobody talks like that. No, they don't. Like, yeah. Yeah, Dean's a piece of shit because that was like one of the few character bits was that uh, Eric, the older brother, Matt Bomer, uh, has already done at least one tour in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Had and, nightmares from it, had yeah, yeah, like all sorts of problems. But when he heard that his brother got dra- his brother's draft number came up, he re re-enli- he he re-opt to make sure he could go with him because he's a good older brother. Yeah. And then this little shit's trying to weasel out of it. Mm. I don't blame him. Nobody should have had to gone to Vietnam. But yeah. still, you know. It just... Yeah. Yeah, that was... I mean... This was not great. No. It just... You can't even get angry about it. Like, there's just a whole lot of... We didn't need to do this. No. No. Yeah. It was... Nothing original in the way it plays out. Nothing original in... Nothing nothing original. It didn't even add anything to the remake. It really didn't. It answered, again, questions we did not have. No. These were not vital to any part of the plot of the film. Where did the sheriff get his sheriff hat and car? (sighs) Oh. I just kind of assumed he was a shit cop in a small town. It really would have made made him better. Like, the town was that shitty that he is the cop. It was more intense knowing that... It was more intense thinking he was a cop the last time. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. This, yeah, that, this neutered that. Um, 
Why did they decide to be Captain Cannibals? Well, if that's the reason you gave, it's not really great. No. Um, yeah, the questions it decided needed answering, the the questions were just as meh as the answers they gave us. Agreed. Yeah. But there's always next week. There is. What do we got? It's a Texas Chainsaw 3D. <laughs> Which is the only one I've ever seen in the theater. Yeah. And I have not seen this one, I don't think. Oh. There's... I'm going to have some complaints. Fair enough. <laughs> it's kind of dumb. Like in... Well, we'll get into it next week. There's there's stuff. There There's a, there, there's more stuff to talk about, I think, next week than there is this week. Yeah. I feel bad. Well, no, we talked a lot at the beginning. Yeah, we talked. Uh, but man, like, we're try- I'm trying to think of more stuff to talk about with this movie, but it really... It made no impression whatsoever. Yeah. It's sweaty, it's greasy, we have a little bit of a filter on top of everything. Yeah, it's the, the same uh, high dynamic range thing that they did on the last one. Yeah, like a little, like, pseudo sepia tone, because mm. it's like, it's in the past. There's oh, Also, uh, it opens, the title card in the opening says it's August 1939, so now, the, now we know that uh, Leatherface is either a Leo or a Virgo. Oh, all so right. that's a question that like finally got you know hinted at. We still don't know what day it was, so you know we can't say for certain. There's, um, I had a note about the visual geography of the movie, basically the way it's edited. I did appreciate that the meat packing plant they they kept that they may they they maintained that it was within running distance of that. Yeah, I appreciated yeah. that. I mean, more like shot to shot, like when a character is in a room or in a field or oh, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the way they're looking around, you're cross cutting at angles that completely confused where you are. You never actually have a sense of where anything is. Maybe that's why the camera never sat still and was always kind of shaking. I think just in general, they didn't know what to do with the camera. No. It was really annoying. This was annoying to watch. Like, Mm -hmm. I kept... I was getting dizzy at the beginning. I think they toned it down after a while. Yeah. You know. But then they all died. And then even the last person that you thought was not going... I... Yeah. Well, until next week. Get out. Get out. (laughs) I can't even do the voice. I don't even feel like doing the voice. This is boring. I can't even, like... It's still... Okay, it's still better looking than, like, what, 70% of those Amityville movies? But it's still... But it's still boring. It was just... It's a Texas chain slog. All right, now get out. If you want to interact with us online, you can check us out on Instagram or Twitter at Amityville Show, or you can send us an email at podcastamityville at gmail.com. 